0: Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good morning. Good morning to you. Good afternoon to me.
1: GM, how are you? GM, how's it going over there? That's good. I wanted to tell you, I, I did. I was waiting until we started recording to tell you this, but yesterday I've had this uh, revelation that I finally, so it's like beautiful weather over here. Um, mm-hmm. Sunny, like 75. And I was taking the dog on a little hike yesterday. And I was just in Earth Runners and desunders and or Earth Runners and cool tan shorts, uh, tan through mm-hmm. shorts. And I was like, "This is as close to walking barefoot, naked in the woods, as I can get without getting some sort of criminal charge."
0: was <laughs> fantastic. How'd you feel? I was so
1: happy. I was so happy the whole time. The sun was so warm all over me. Did you get a good tan in your uh, bottoms area? I did. And I walked past, uh, there was an older woman walking her dog and our dogs kind of like, you know, started playing for a minute. Mm -hmm. And I stood there and had a conversation with her confidently. I haven't seen how transparent these shorts are. Hopefully she wasn't freaked out, but
0: yeah, I think if you stand with direct sunlight on you and they got the right angle, they probably can get a good glimpse, but otherwise it should be good to go.
1: We're all adults here.
0: Which color do you have? You have the black ones?
1: Yeah, I just ordered another pair because I lost my black ones and I ordered some camo ones because I thought they'd be like a little more distracting. Yeah. You know, the black ones, I was like, oh, maybe you could see through those easier. I don't know.
0: So so you're camoing your men's parts. Yeah. Men parts. uh,
1: Fantastic. Soon I'll just go full nude though. I'm going to be a father. No shame.
0: Yeah, you're going to be a father in like two months. Ah yep. oh, man. I, yeah. I mean, it's, by the way, it's a hundred degrees today here in Georgia and who knows what the humidity is like, but it's, it's like 90, 90? 90%. humidity. I, mean, I, I didn't check, but it's, you know, it's up there. And uh, I was talking to a friend of mine who's coming this weekend, this coming weekend to try the cold plunge at my place. And she asked me, do you have a sauna too? Cause she's a little bit afraid of the cold. And I go, yes, the great outdoors. Just, <laughs> Just go outside. You're you're in a steam room. Like you don't need sun in here. You know, so anyways,
1: that's that. Oh yeah, it is and, showing it is showing 96 right now in your hood. Feels dude, like 106 though. Really? said so it feels with humidity, it feels like 106. I'm trying to find the humidity on here. Dude, it's
0: brutal. It's the best thing about cold plunging right now, I mean is that I go outside and I feel normal after a yep. plunging. I'm like, oh, it's not bad, you know. Probably lasts like 15 minutes after like a eight minute plunge, seven minute mm-hmm. plunge. Um, I was actually going to plunge before our, our conversation now, um, but I had lunch earlier and I realized that it's not the best idea to plunge, taking resources from the body from digestion into hitting, you know, reheating the body and, and <laughs> keeping the body safe. So I was like, oh, I'm not going to take the fiery, di- you know, energy from the digestion because I had a beautiful steak for lunch. And um, yeah. I was Hi,
1: like oak. White oak?
0: White oak? Um, yeah, white white oak, pastures. Uh, what was that? That was a skirt steak. Chim- my wife made a beautiful chimichurri, fresh as fuck. Um, really good, really, really good. Like delicious.
1: Paul, uh, Saladino is always, he's a big white oak pastures guy. How can he
0: not be? I mean, you know, they, I think they said the standard in regenerative agriculture in, in this country and maybe in some ways in the world, you know, it's, it's hard to know, but
1: for, for sure. Me- in like, as a direct to consumer brand, I think they for mm-hmm. sure do, I don't know, maybe other people are doing it, whatever. I mean, it's hard to tell. Yeah, I need to,
0: uh, you know, probably get more information on that. But they're they're definitely one of the more famous ones. Um, I wanted to to get
1: some. I wanted to order White Oak Pastures, but it was going to be like, and the the shipping to the West Coast was like more more than the cost (laughs) of the actual meat. (laughs) That's crazy. I mean, it
0: makes sense. You know, the shipping actually to my place, which they're only three hours away by car, I think, is nine ninety five. I mean, like ten dollars. That is uh, not not nine hundred dollars ninety five. <laughs> um, you know, and I get I get like you know probably average average order is like one hundred and eighty bucks. So, you know, extra five percent of my order is going, goes for shipping, um, to shipping. Anyways, I have some. They got some some ribeyes on sale recently. I got some ribeyes. Has been doing more of the animal-based, and I wanted to talk to you about this too, since we've, you know, we've been following Saladino a bit more closely. Saladino, I think you told me was like a full vegan for a few years, and then, you know, possibly got a bunch of health issues, and then when he went carnivore, uh, for all kinds of reasons, you know, it resolved a lot of his health issues, and he's been thriving on that. And then there's a lot of people too that went animal-based after eating a certain way and it resolves a lot of issues for them. But then we talked between ourselves, I think it was yesterday, about how to incorporate animal-based without having to go to extreme, both for joy and both for the reason that every, every body is different uh, and every person is different. So
1: let's let's dive into this for a bit. So two quick things. One, I think Saladino was carnivore And then he went to being called animal-based, which meant he was including fruit, raw dairy, and honey. So Mm -hmm. I think he was straight meat and organs. And then he added in those three other pieces because he saw some of his biomarkers had moved, or I forget the reason why. And then he got a bunch of hate from the carnivore community, obviously, because he wasn't some kind of purist anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's kind of how I've been looking at it. But something you said yesterday about... It's not even being like carnivore because there was carnivore, which was like militant. Then there was carnivore ish, which means like, oh, I fuck off a little bit. And then there Mm -hmm. was animal based. And now I'm thinking animal based ish might be because plants are used as medicine. And I I think the word medicine is kind of misused because I think we think of medicine as something you take when you only, when you need it. But -hmm. if you have a small amount of plants in your diet pretty regularly, I think that that could be like kind of a therapeutic or like medicinal sort of application, you know, kind of preventative medicine almost Mm. um, versus people that eat all plants. And that's like just taking medicine exclusively. So shocker, like anything else balance, (laughs) right? Yeah.
0: I, I was just talking about this in the coffee presentation that I gave and gave to uh, people recently, and, you know, balance is key with the caffeine and the coffee itself. And of course, as you were saying, with everything else, uh, I do want to talk to you about some, a recent issue that you've had and how you're resolving it. Because I think that could be beneficial for a bunch of people to to hear. So why don't you uh, kind of tell the audience what you told me and, and how you're going about it?
1: Yeah, so... First, I like to pride myself on never having any issues because I think I do a lot to cover my bases. I mean, we eat really, really well 99% of the time. Every now and then we'll go have some pizza or whatever with friends. Um, Every now and then I'll have a couple of beers with some friends or whatever. So not militant, but uh, militantly non-militant, I guess. Uh, And then, you know, obviously I have a regular cold plunge practice and sauna practice and yoga practice. And I feel like I'm, you know, I'm outside, I'm grounding. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> that all said, thought I was doing everything great. And then I started having these really gnarly, like stomach pains, like acidy feeling, burning in my stomach, which one pissed me off just because I'm like, what am I not doing? Like, how could I be doing something wrong? Um, and two, it was just like a little, you know, scary because you think you're covering all your bases and then you have this weird, you know, it was lasting for a couple of weeks, but kind of on and off, but it was always pretty subtle. But it would get intense sometimes to the point where it was like laboring to to breathe. You know, it was really, it was really hard to deal with. So naturally, I'm asking you about it um, pretty regularly. And the kind of the main takeaway I'd say I took from our conversation, especially yesterday, was it's when it comes to eating, it's not necessarily what. It is what. But even equally as important is when. So not time of day, but what things you're combining together. And I, since I'm like a uh, more is better type person,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, I just realized after telling you what I ate, <laughs> even for breakfast, you were like, you know, I was like, oh, okay, I had, um, I think yesterday I had some uh, like, ground bison with liver and heart or no, actually yesterday I had some bacon and some eggs mm-hmm. and then I had some raw, uh, cow's milk. And then I had before that i had had some mud water, which has like 20 ingredients with some raw butter and a little bit of coconut oil. And then i had also had some fruit. So like a banana and some blueberries maybe or something like that and i thought Mm -hmm. like oh this is pretty good you know i'm getting like some good protein some good fat some fruit whatever and uh you were like bro you've had like 40 different things today already in your body um and i hadn't really thought of it that way i just thought oh like these things are all good for you they must all be good but maybe they're not all good at the same time
0: yeah and i think what i was saying yesterday too is that if you're under stress, meaning you have some stomach pain, you're, you know, for, I'm saying this for the sake of everybody who's, who's listening, sleep issues, inflammation, pain, wh- whatever is going on, if the body's under stress, uh, the mind is under stress, it's best to kind of give it, you know, be gentle with it. And being gentle with it means, yes, you're going to give the body medicine, but not like you know, as you were saying, I'd like 40 types of medicine, you know, I think that's, they, they can be overwhelming to the body in terms of like, there's so many inputs in here, like what do I take and, and how do I convert this into necessary healing agents, you know, mm-hmm. um, and whether that's amino acids and proteins and, you know, recovery and reducing inflammation, antioxidants of the above. So when you told me you're you're, you're uncomfortable, you know, you have you have this stomach uh, pains i'm like okay that sounds like a lot for the stomach to currently intake and of course on its own and could be also you know on, on your regular uh, health regimen that would work fine taking 40 things but you just went to your brother's graduation and you were drinking alcohol at 6 a.m with your parents at a bar i'm like your body is like all right take it easy for a second Yeah, you were taking about a bunch of activated charcoal. And I think that probably helped a bunch just kind of soaking in and getting rid of what the body doesn't need. Uh, But then also introducing it again with, I think you had Organifi Gold and Mud Water, which Mud Water is also something that you've been taking only recently. So I was thinking this is, you know, still new to your body in terms of processing. Like Organifi Gold, you've been taking, I would, from what I remember, at least for three or four years now, on and off. But mm-hmm. your, body, your body is like, oh, okay, I mean, I know what to do with this by now. Yep. Whereas Mudwater is like maybe the past month for you, maybe more, six weeks. And it's like, okay, I mean, we're still, we're still getting to know one another.
1: Yeah. And I, the only reason I started Mudwater is because I'm actually this weekend, I think I'm 50 days. On Friday, I'm 50 oh. days off of uh, coffee and caffeine.
0: It's fantastic.
1: And I don't know if I'm going to go back, bro
0: let's let's see your um yeah i mean when when you were saying this what what are the thoughts that and thought process you have with this
1: i, I mean it would be really nice to have some caffeine right now and feel like oh i can you know absolutely crush it mm-hmm. but i don't know if i want to get back on that roller coaster because like once you're on then it's like you got to get off and you know it's not good for you i mean i think everyone is pretty with the exception of asprey uh i feel like which dude selling coffee, I get it, you know, but I think that level of adrenal stress is probably not a good thing day in and day out. Maybe if you have it one day a week, but Mm -hmm. or like maybe two days a week, but I don't know. I mean, something like that, especially, you know, now being, you know, I'm starting a new business. I've been working on that for a couple of months. There's like, you know, other things that, would I, I would want to have more coffee? I think if then rather than one or two days a week, so I think it's just better to not do it, mm-hmm.
0: which is interesting. As you are be talking about adrenal, um, or adrenal fatigue in that way, when I think about adrenals, it, it you know, coffee gives a person adrenaline, right? And adrenaline to go get stuff done, uh, it reduces this fight or flight response, uh, sympathetic uh, nervous system gets gets jacked up and there is benefit to it we know there's benefit to it from running from danger or getting into of course a fight but this is the prehistoric fight or flight response there is benefit to it when we want to just get get pumped and do uh, you know sometimes a workout or or work on something uh, with our minds and I do think similar to cold plunging and and working out, you know, training, there is benefit to jacking up the system and going into the sympathetic uh, state every once in a while. I think overall, of course, most people are overdoing this and they're not getting enough parasympathetic. They're not really working in, as uh, Pochek calls it, and making sure they're balancing. It's a balancing act, right? It's a yin and yang there. It's just a lot of yang and and a lot of us in the Western world think that exercise is one of the best things that we can do for our health, you know? And it is. It's a fantastic thing. Movement is essential. You know, we've been moving most of the day, if not all day. I would say most of the day. We were resting a bunch still, um, you know, th- thousands and, and tens of thousands of years ago as we were gathering, you know, hunting, gathering, building shelter, But fishing. moving slowly yeah, I think we weren't one. We weren't sprinting much, and two, uh, we weren't doing this. You know, we we kind of move fast with our minds a lot now. You know, we're, we're sitting down, coffee is, is you know is jacking up our system, and we're like, I gotta send these emails. I gotta get this work done. There's sales sheets going on. I gotta give some phone calls, and I'm all about integrating. You know, the ancestral living into the modern living. I'm not trying to live in a cave or live in a. You know, I'm not moving to Africa to live in a tribe. I mean, if, if I wanted to do that, that would be a whole different situation. But I don't think that's where the world is going. It's about integrating. And most recently, I wanted to share this with you. I've heard on, and you may have heard this too, on Luke's story podcast. He had the founder of Sauna Space. And he was talking about biohacking. And he, and he goes, biohacking, I, I may be butchering this, but he, he said, it's tricking the body into thinking it's in its uh, natural environment. So it's using cold plunge and sauna and, and grounding mats, which I'm standing on a grounding mat right now, indoors in this more synthetic environment, but also this is what the body was used to, you know, being used to being resilient for with drastic temperature changes and being more in tune with the earth electromagnetic field, rather than one of the computers we're currently using for this conversation. At the same time, I want to use these technologies, you know, and it's it's about making it work, you know, making it work for the body so it's it's a balanced act while using technology while living in the modern world, you know, and that's, that's what I'm striving for, you know. Seeking optimization, yeah. maybe.
1: No, I mean, dude, that's crazy you say that because <clears throat> it, all of that shit, like the biohacking st- stuff is really all – like things that would have been completely free, you know mm-hmm. five hundred years ago, and now people there's a whole lifestyle around spending a bunch of money and time trying to just get back to homeostasis, like there's nothing novel about being hot or cold or standing barefoot on the ground to a human right. um we just seem to have kind of constructed an environment around us that is so antithetical of that lifestyle that we have to really go out of our ways to do it
0: for sure. And, you know, now we want to optimize our performance too and bring in those environments into our indoor living, you know, and I really live that much. I mean, we're living in tune with the seasons as much as we can. Let's say uh, you and I in terms of food and nutrition and and being out, but also, I mean, it's 100 degrees out and I'm not spending most of the day out right now and I wasn't spending most of the day when it was 30 degrees out. You know, I'm, I'm getting bits of hot and cold during these extreme weathers. At the same time, I'm using, a biohacking by using the cold plant and just getting pretty damn cold for, let's say, 10 minutes or less. Um, you know, mimicking what's going on outside but not really doing this for hours on end, you know? And I'm not really... You know, my feet are not getting the, uh, that adaptation that happens from the really hot, uh, you know, ground outside right now. I'm just like standing on it for a bit. I'm like, and I have some calluses, but it's it's a different thing. If I'm doing it for a week, my feet would be looking and feeling different, you know. And, mm-hmm. and I want to be, indoor. be indoors. I want to be indoors. I like being comfortable at 72 degrees. I want to be talking to you on the computer right now and having a conversation rather than, I mean, I would be out there, you know. Not doing as much, not doing as as many things as I'm doing using technology, using technology as the home too, you know, being indoors in a, in a comfortable air conditioned environment. So yeah, I've been thinking about that and, um, you know, kind of coming to terms that this is the life that we want and how can we live this life with as much connection reverent to the way that our bodies are used to and in our souls too, so...
1: And I think it's the 80, 20 sort of thing too. like, if you're going to live this, you know, modern lifestyle, you can, you know, do a few things like, you know, getting some sunlight, getting some grounding in a little bit of hot and cold stress, a little bit of fasting, you know, you could do these things that'll get you 80% of the way there. And that's where, you know, most of your benefit is going to come from. Yeah. You might not be totally, completely fully optimized for everything, but Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's going to be pretty damn good and you're still going to get to, you know, you don't have to be walking around naked outside all day and, you know, not ever touching a cell phone or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very good points right
0: there. And as you're saying this, you know, I mean, there's obviously sensitivities to phones and computers. And I think there's some pride there too that I, you know, my hands get really, really uncomfortable after holding a phone for, you know, dude, I started noticing this too. A minute or two. My fingers get like, like pretty tingly. Up. yeah, like, like, yeah, they get like, they get, um, uh, beyond ting- tingly, they get, um, they get tight and like my, my ability to like open and, and, and close my hands just is not as fluid. And especially with the new Macs, I'm using my wife's Mac right now because my computer died recently. And when this thing is, is hooked up into, I mean, this thing is already, like way more um, intrusive electromagnetically than the old macs, which are nowhere to be found right now, but anyways when it's when it's hooked into the electricity, it is buzzing like I'm just like taking the cable off, and if my finger slides on the on the on the computer itself it is it is pretty bad, and to think you know. You know, I think there is a benefit from one from being sensitive to, to kind of being in tune and like quitting like, okay, this is not what my body wants. But also also if if one is too sensitive, then they can only really use the technologies. So it's kind of also building a resilience, uh, you know, building the muscle mm-hmm. of of shielding ourselves from from these technologies while working with them, which is which is why I'm standing on a on a grounding mat right now. You know, I know that I'm getting a good amount of positive charge from these devices so I'm, I'm neutralizing it as much as I can by standing on a mat that is connected to the ground outside which is here we go biohacking again
1: yeah dude uh I don't know if I told you this in Mercola's book EM, EMF mm-hmm. he actually talks about how you can use exposure to these things kind of like you would use sauna exercise or cold mm-hmm. exposure like those things in and of themselves are not great for you they're a form of stress and the response is actually what's beneficial so you could look at you know like an emf dense environment the same way where you'd say like hey i'm going to go outside in you know wherever walk down in the financial district in downtown san francisco or whatever get barbecued for a few hours and then you come home to a completely you know grounded and shielded space which would be you know same same kind of environment as like post-workout and Mm -hmm. fully recover and you'll actually become more resilient. It's you'll, you'll have that sort of, uh, it's like you stress, you know, you'll have like a positive Mm -hmm. response. It's the stress and then the response. So it could actually be beneficial to live in an EMF rich or spend time in an EMF rich environment. If you are, you know, properly recovering when you get home, the problem is, is most people have their phone with their Bluetooth on and shit next to their bed. They got their Wi-Fi router Mm -hmm. running all night. Um, so people are getting double whammied, for lack of a better way of putting it. But um, I think it's helped me because I know our everything here in our house, at least, is pretty dialed. We have a grounding mat on the bed. Our room has almost no EMF. We had uh, Brian Hoyer's team come out and test our house. Um, our Wi-Fi router turns off at night. Our phones are not in the room and are on airplane mode. Um, I feel like, oh, it's and I mean, you know, I live in Bend, Oregon. It's not like there's, I'm not like in a big metropolitan city. Um, it's still a pretty, pretty low environment anyway, but it doesn't, you know, concern me as much even now being at a, in an office sometimes during the day at that co working space, you know, I'm sure there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff going on in the air there. Um, Mm -hmm. but I know if I'm going to come home to a clean EMF speaking environment, um, it's probably going to be fine, or even could be beneficial yeah, it's pretty cool. I did not know that, and that makes it makes sense to me.
0: I do want to forget what I was going to ask you in regards to that
1: well, real, uh, the same thing I'm looking at flights the same way now. I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, I got to get on a flight for three hours, like just treat it like a three hour workout or a sauna or something like that. All right, there's going to be some stress. Get off the plane, go get grounded, rehydrate um. You know, get get some light, breathe some natural clean air and not that godforsaken shit that's flowing through those planes. And uh, mm-hmm. I think it could be, I mean, a lot of it's perception too, you know, even if that's not true, I'm going to placebo myself into thinking that it is, and I might get some benefit out of it anyway. For sure.
0: And if a lot of us are in placebo of, you know, when we hear about these dangers, we start tuning in and having the visions of how much it's it's affecting us detrimentally. And then, you know, we get on a plane or we get into whatever, a department store with a bunch of blue light and an EMF. And th- those are affecting us more than they would because our thoughts are, you know, manifesting the, the detrimental
1: effects. So you know, there's a placebo there too. Yeah. Is, and I think, a, dude, that's why so many people I think can just travel. Like, you know, 10 days a month kind of thing and be totally fine with it. Uh, It doesn't bother them at all. And me, if I'm gone like three days every two months, it's like the worst thing in the world. Sometimes I'm like, I might just know too much now. Yeah,
0: I think it's, as you are saying, we're, we're the place where we've heard about all the dangers and all the detrimental effects, but also we're learning how to use our minds to not get, too carried away with what it could do. And I know that both of us are concerned about the health of our of our families and our you know our wives, future kids, um, my kid, you know, parents, etc. But we kind of come to terms that a lot of it is is the mind and just, yeah, the awareness of it and the thoughts. Anyways, I do also want to mention that I've heard on that podcast unlooked story with the founder of Sauna Space that a blue light itself, you know, is causing, you know, sympathetic nervous system response. It's, it's checking us up. And they were talking about Luke and the founder of Sonospace that um, like the department stores perhaps on purpose have this blue light going on because it gets us into more adrenaline, which could uh, possibly uh, make a person load up their cart with more stuff because they're just kind of hyped up. And they're just Whoa. like, just just go, you know, just kind of like they're just going a little bit crazy, you know. They're a little, going a little bit crazy, perhaps in some ways too in a grocery store or just with shopping, you know. They kind of like do this uh, shopping therapy and eating, getting more food than they actually want and getting sugary stuff that, you know, they're kind of – they're just in a different state, you know. They're just, you know, racking up things that they otherwise in a more natural environment, they wouldn't. Um, I can counter yeah. that. Okay.
1: I do that same shit at the farmer's market. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, we, we both, we both, I mean, the, the, and I think the farmer's market, and here here's an interesting thing they were talking about with overhead lighting, right? So that when the sun is also kind of like a peak, you know, say between noon to 4 p.m., uh, you know, when the sun is all the way up there, and this is usually when we are looking for shade, you know, we're looking to rest, we're looking for shade. The the thing about it is it's it's super taxing. You know the the great beneficial healing light happens around sunrise, sunset. Uh, you know around those times when the sun is really high up there. You know that's when we're roasting our skin, we're getting dehydrated, we're getting tired. Um, but there's also something to be said about overhead lighting as is. It's just it's an, it's uncomfortable. You know it goes straight on our dome. I mean I'm I'm losing hair as is. You know it's I'm I'm being conscious about that, but it's, it's more than that. It's just, it's kind of like, it's uncomfortable for, to the eyes. Um, it is, it is super high in blue lights. Um, and I think UV light as well. I'm actually not sure. Um, but it's not, it's not the most beneficial light, you know? And I think that's why it's the hottest, it's the hottest time of the day. It's the most bright time of the day. There is benefit in it, of course, uh, but we're already getting a good amount of blue lights. So it's kind of like accumulation and going into those stores or being out during those hours, it's quite um, exhausting. That's know?
1: interesting. So maybe the sun is hottest because I assume that everything has kind of like a, an evolutionary reason. So maybe the sun is hottest and brightest during that time, or we perceive it as being hottest and brightest because that's the time when our bodies are like, hey, you shouldn't be directly in this for too long, or maybe you should be sitting in the shade right now. And at those more dusky and dawny sort of hours, is when you're out walking around moving around uh killing elk and you know gathering berries
0: yeah i think i mean i think we adapted based on those natural cycles i think they have of course their their benefits to, the, to nature as a whole and to humanity uh, i think it's more comfortable to be outside in the sun in in around sunrise i mean we just you know we, we just woke up let's say we just woke up we are craving connection with other people we are craving food we're excited for a new day new beginning sun is rising kind of watching the the magnificent process of sunrise which also has you know just a ton of red lights near infrared all that all those lights that are now, study. You know, lots of study on those that are that are healing, and also those apparently those lights come from fire. It, it's like it's the angle of the light, so it's the angle of the sun on sunrise and sunset. Kind of more like eye level to some extent, not really so much like right above the dome. And uh, when we look at it from from above, from the bottom, apparently also has a bunch of benefits, which is why people that were saying as they go camping and such. The, they are looking forward to having a fire. You know, they, they even want to cook food on the fire sometimes. They're looking forward to gathering on a fire. It's not like they're they're going camping like, nah, you know, we, we're not gonna light a fire tonight or just let's just go to sleep and get our phones out. Perhaps some people do that because you know the dopamine, serotonin addictions that are happening from oh, what's in my inbox? You know, who you know who posted something on Instagram that might be an interesting story.
1: Oh, fuck those people. I will never go camping <laughs> with that person. Well <laughs> You know, I think,
0: you know, never say never, but, you know, if if somebody's addicted to something, it's, it's okay. You know, I was talking about the addictions of coffees, as long as they have, you know, a secure supply, you know, no known uh, health risks. Of course, with that, there are some, Uh, and they're okay with the notion of being an addict. They're cool. I mean, an addiction is okay. There's nothing inherently wrong with being, with being an addict. If it is detrimental effects, of course, as we're talking about it, um, to our health, to our minds, to our purpose, then then they're not great. Um, yeah. So, it was just interesting stuff. You know, about how blue light is jacking up sympathetic response, dehydrates, gets us kind of crazy. I mean, I, and I'll tell you that even at the farmer's market, when it's like I get there at nine, it's fantastic. Ten thirty. It's kind of starting to get hot, and we've been going to the farmers market every weekend. There's a big fountain that a lot of kids like run around. It's super cold water, and it's fun, but there's almost no shade in there. And we've decided we're not going to go this weekend because it's brutal. We're just we get there, and and my daughter is not as affected, you know, by by sun. She's she's in the she's in the water in and out. She's running around. She has you know, she's bringing in some equipment with her, with with her. For some reason, you know, us. Parents are getting more uncomfortable with the heat at this point, but it's it gets when like eleven thirty, like hits around that she wants to stay for that extra hour. I start getting irritated. I'm super hot. I'm super uncomfortable. I'm, I'm being conscious about my skin getting too much blue light, perhaps burning. You know, um, and we don't use sunblock. You know, it's it's we don't want to do that. Uh-huh. So you know, I bring a hat. I bring one of those fishing hats now. It covers more of my, uh, you know, of the top of my body, and it's a little bit cooler than, like, a cap. Uh, but Dude, one,
1: one thing about sunblock. <laughs> the sun, you're designed to burn. Okay. In order, to, as a kind of a, uh, an indicator that you have mm. been in the sun too long. Mm-hmm. So the modern person and all their infinite wisdom said, hey, you can rub this uh, creamy shit full of parabens and all kinds of freak chemicals in it all over your skin, and then you won't have to burn. You can turn off this warning system. The problem is is you're still getting a lot of that damage done to your Mm. skin anyway with the sunblock. It's just not warning you that you're doing something bad. You're just turning off the alarm. So I, I just don't, I don't understand that people are like, oh, are you putting on sunblock? I'm like, look, you either can be in the sun for a certain amount of time or you can't. Sunblock doesn't do anything. It just stops you from having the warning sign. Yeah, maybe you don't have to feel hot and have a sunburn in the shower for the next two days or whatever the issue is. But if you think you're saving yourself in some long-term way, that's a, that's a farce. It's just not happening. It doesn't, doesn't work that way.
0: I did not know that. It makes me think about sunglasses, you know, a bunch of people put And including myself for years, you know, putting sunglasses when it's hot out, it makes the sun, you know, more comfortable being in a super bright environment, but also opens our eyes to, you know, that we we don't squint as much as we would not getting that signal. And then there's too much light going into the eyes, really tiring the eyes, weakening the, the eye muscles, which I haven't been using sunglasses for years now for that reason. But it's interesting, so what, what actually happens if the skin doesn't burn and, you know, using sunblock, is it not blocking some of the roasting effects? What, 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 what's going on in there?
1: Dude, just like anything else, I, th- I mean, I think I read this. Oh, man, someone put out a fantastic article on this. I can't remember who it was. Um, but I think it's kind of a U-curve, right? Like, absolutely no sun living inside all the time is a bad thing. Having, you know, laying outside 24 hours a day and roasting is a bad thing. There's a middle section where it's optimal. And I think everyone has a different optimal. Now Mm -hmm. someone's super fair skinned and they want to go play a five hour round of golf in the sun. They're going to put on sunblock because that's how long. Maybe they only have like a three hour threshold in the sun from 11 to two. But, um, you know, they There'll have be to stretch. be out there for five hours. So they're like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to take my, my chances here. Um, I fortunately have a longer, I have enough melanin in my skin where I just, I can stay out for a really long time and I don't get burnt, but that's just, you know, just like some people are tall and some people are short. It's, you know, these are based on your genetics. These are the advantages or disadvantages you have depending on how you look at them in life. Um, but I, I just, to me, the fact that people are turning off the warning sign, uh, it's like the analogy of, you know, taking an Advil because you have a rock in your shoe um, versus taking the rock out of your shoe. It's the same thing. Putting on sunblock so you don't have the the warning sign that something's wrong doesn't mean you're solving the problem. It just means you're not getting the warning sign of the problem.
0: So here's my question. In, in, in both, let's say, a Tylenol and sunblock, there is some thought, right, The Tylenol reduces inflammation. Of course, it, it disconnects the pain receptors to a large extent, which is why we don't feel the alarm. And that's, of course, quite alarming on its own, uh, ironically. Uh, it also perhaps reduces inflammation. But when it comes to sunblock, is it not blocking the detrimental effects of the sun? Like, I, I don't know this, right? From somebody who's fair-skinned and wants to play golf for five hours from, you know, 10 to 3 o'clock...
1: I think I think in that situation you got to put on uh, like a long sleeve mm-hmm. shirt and try to build in shade. Mm-hmm. wear the big bucket hat and the long sleeve shirt and pants and try to actually like mechanically block the sun. Yeah. but I know that sun block does not do that. It doesn't block everything. it only blocks mm-hmm. a certain portion, the portion that causes burns, but you're still getting mm-hmm. a way over excessive dose of what mm-hmm. your melanin level can handle. Um, it's just blocking the stuff that causes the the burn. And I see people lather themselves in sunblock all I mean, first of all, I would not put sunblock on me under any circumstance just because of what's in it. Like take the sun out of the picture. But some of that, especially if you're looking at, you know, bullfrog or banana boat or like these normal, uh, you know, or the aerosol ones, like give me a Mm. break. Um,
0: yeah, that goes into airways. I mean, the skin obviously is absorbing a good amount of that. It's going into the organs, it's going into the bloodstream, whatever's going on in sunblock. I think there are the mineral-based sunblocks that are supposedly uh, not as detrimental, but still, I don't think that's a that's something that a body would want. Um, no. Also, on the, on the melanin level, they were talking in that podcast uh, of Luke and the founder of Sonospace. The, the more melanin, right, the more melanin somebody has, the darker skin they have, actually, they need more sunlight to maintain a sufficient amount of vitamin D. So, for yeah. example, for you, you would need more sunlight than somebody with her skin. Most likely, this is also why it's more beneficial for you to have a short sleeve shirt, um, you know, or just, uh, you know, cool tan shorts for... The, the duration of five hours of, of a golfing session versus somebody who just like let's get the hour, hour and a half and put on the long sleeve and the bucket hat. And I think that's yeah, everybody, right, do should should kind of look for what do they look like, how is the response without using those um you know, technologies such as Sunbox, um to see what is the what is the response and how how would they, you know, what would be most beneficial for them to get the, the benefits of the environment and at the same time enjoy modern environment, sports and technologies?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it cuts both ways. Yeah. Not only can I handle more sun, but I need more sun. So you mm-hmm. can look at it like, Oh, Matt's so lucky. He can stay out in the sun all day and not get burnt. But I can look at it like, Oh, someone who has, <coughs> Whoa, sorry. My dog wants to get out. Someone who has fairer skin, uh, can stay in the sun for a shorter amount of time and get their significant, you know, their sufficient amount of vitamin D.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, go go, let him out. That that good Benny boy. Uh, I'll wait for you to put your headphones back on. Can you hear me?
1: I can hear you now. Yeah, sorry about that. He's getting uh he's getting neutered tomorrow. Actually, almost uh, two years old. Uh, good luck so to him. I'm,
0: I know he'll be fine. You know, my dog just got spayed and we went to get the stitches out yesterday and she's off, to, you know, I took the cone off finally. Uh, mm-hmm. She had a cone for like 10 days and it's, that's the biggest part of it. She did not really, you know, she bounced she back. She doesn't know. She yeah. bounced back within 20, like less than 24 hours. She was just back to herself and I didn't want her to, you know, lick the wounds and kind of, uh, you know, create any, any problems with the recovery there. But dude, we took it off and I, you know, I, I told you I, I, treated her to a pig's tail and she got some bones and marrow and blood vitality from ancestral supplements in her food. And you know, I, I played with her a good amount of time. I'm like, you know, I gave you less attention during that time. My parents were in town. My family, uh, my wife's family were in town back to back. She had the cone on. Couldn't do as much in terms of like she was kind of also like bumping into things. Given I'd like given yeah. her the, the nicer cone, which is – and kind of like, a, what do we call the life jacket? It's like the the blow up, you know, yeah, yeah. round like uh, <laughs> like travel travel pillow. Um, but yeah, it's, I'm, I'm so happy to see her after that, you know, especially now that it's it just turned like, the temperatures just turned quite miserable. And I you know I make sure to, as I tell you, I have my morning routine with her. She has her morning routine, um, especially now, to, to make sure she gets a sufficient amount of time outdoors. Before it gets too hot, you know, she thrives outdoors. She's just chewing on pieces of wood and, you know, eating some plants. And actually, I thought she was eating um, deer poop, but turns out it's just some sort of uh, round, fruity looking things from a tree. So I let her do that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, she's, she had so much fun, just kind of like posting at a place in the shade, chewing in some things, plant matter, kind of sniffing around. You know, maybe barking at a few people that, that go by, although she barks way less. So I think she's getting used to people and bicycles and skateboards and all that, which we mm-hmm. don't have a ton of them here. Uh, but, you know, some. Anyways, good luck to your doggy. I know he'll be It'll fine. It'll be harder He's, on
1: us. It'll be harder yeah. on us than it is on him.
0: Yeah. And... um yeah, did are you did you you gotta measure his neck to get him the the life jacket situation. I think that's that's essential because otherwise the the plastic one you most likely will get from the vet is is a pain in the ass.
1: No, and we got him that uh that suit too. What is the suit? Oh, it's like a it's like a suit that he puts on. It <laughs> okay. covers him. It's like a like a jacket. Um and then it has a little flap that you can unbutton and put up. Really? So that he can, yeah, go uh poop and pee. And like on walks, when he's on walks, you can have it flapped up so you can, you know, get really emptied. And then when he's home, just chilling, you flap it back down. I think it buttons. And uh, yeah, I didn't know
0: about this option. I would, you know, I I know about those kind of jackets they have for anxiety for dogs that are kind of, you know, it's kind of like somebody's hugging them. Um, You know, they're pretty tight. Uh, I did not know. I did not know or think about the option to actually. I would avoid if I could putting the. I don't, I don't know what would be worse it also depends on the weather, you know, putting the suit on or putting the life jacket on.
1: Yeah. I think the suit does feel kind of hot. I learned about it from Scott. Scott just put it on his, uh, he has a German short hair pointer that just got neutered Mm -hmm. and, uh, he put it on his dog. I mean, but he's in the central Valley, California. It was like hot in in the sack area, but his dog, he's like, he kept him inside for the most part. Um but it's going to get a little chilly here starting tomorrow afternoon for four days. I mean like in the fifties. So I think he should be okay. I'm also going to bust out all the red lights and be shining the red lights at his balls for a while or where his balls used to be Mm -hmm. um, to try to heal that thing up faster. Um, We're putting bone broth in his food uh, and then throwing some ancestral supplements in there. I think he'll heal pretty quickly. He's, he's also a really, really healthy, like dog his coat and everything our vet always comments on we, we take him to like the uh like the functional medicine vet it's like the chris Kresser of vets they're always running all these tests and shit does he get brushed often i brush him with a uh, what's called a Furminator. have you seen this thing no oh but well your dog doesn't shed
0: uh no but i do brush her i try to brush her every other day because it's good for the oils on their coat to be redistributed oh really i I do i do against the grain kind of and then with the grain that's the recommendation
1: i mean well i got a golden retriever so it's going to be a little bit different uh options here but i use this thing called a firminator and it's got these teeth it's like a maybe like four inches long and dude Mm -hmm. i'll pull out like a volleyball size ball of undercoat and fur from him and i just do it because i don't want any fur or hair on the ground um so yeah, that's why I've been doing. It. I didn't wow. even know about redistributing the oils. You must you learned about that from the monks, the monks book with the German shepherds, yeah, the the art of raising a puppy, art of raising a puppy. Yeah, that's that's what they say. I think for all dogs. I mean,
0: that's of course for Bates and German shepherds, but it's it's great for all dogs. There's some hair coming off my dog. You know, she she doesn't shed. She's a doodle mix. She's a schnauzer and doodle mix. Both of them have hair, within that fur. But it's still some hair like coming off, especially after like the hair the hair was getting matted from the life jacket being on her neck for so long Mm -hmm. that I was working on it for like a good amount of time yesterday and kind of pulling it out and making sure she's good to go. She's going to get a haircut next week. It's these temperatures are, are not comfortable, you know, and whatever we can do to cool her off, I'll do, you know, I do actually want to quickly touch on that. We mentioned Brian Hoyer earlier, and I wonder if you remember what's the website. So people can go and check this out in case they want to do inspection for their home. Of their home or office, you know.
1: Is it shielded? I think it's shielded healing or something like that. Yes, I think it's shielded healing. Yeah. And um, he, he, I'm not sure where Brian is. I think he's in the South. Is he in Texas? I'm not sure.
0: I'm not not sure where he's based. I think they cover the whole United States. He has a bunch of people that work with him. And they, you know, he has enough people that either would travel to a state or they live in that state and, you know, you make an appointment. I had one guy here in Georgia. He lives about two hours away from me and came and did like a full day inspection of my home. And yeah, so I'm very lucky. Also in my property, there's a ton of tall trees that block EMF. And I'm also in a little town um, that does not get, does not have much, many towers. So fortunately I didn't Same. have to do almost anything. I, I just added, uh, it's called, I think it's called the, the power perfect box. It's this, box that makes sure that electricity is not coming in, uh, in surge. And it does, it does a few things. There's like a, a number of things there. It reduces EMF as is it was, but it was like over a thousand dollars. It's for the whole house. I got like mm-hmm. the big one, powerful one, and I'm happy. I'm always happy to invest in that. The next thing I want to invest in which I think is actually only a few hundred bucks is a whole house, uh, water revitalizer. So it vortexes the house at the main line. You know, uh, so all your water mm. gets revitalized, which, you know, it's it's a big change. I have filters in a bunch of places in the showers and, in the, you know, in both sinks, so the kitchen sink um, for like washing, you know, vegetables and making soups and all, and all that stuff. Um, and also mm-hmm. I have one for creating, you know, clean water with some magnesium in that, Um but I was thinking it would be great to revitalize the whole water, especially you know I'm growing, a, I'm growing some food in here. There's there are some you know water sources, especially outside that are not you know there's not going to be any filter on them. I'm not getting a whole house filter anytime soon, so I think those are just like three hundred, four hundred bucks, tiny little tool. You know it's it's it works on magnets, and as the water is coming in, it you know goes in a to, into into a tornado. Yeah. So that is on, um, dancing You know, I'm, I'm a big fan of dancing with water. Uh, think you sent me this. something else yesterday from dancing I, with water. I did. And it's what I want to segue into, um, dancing with water. You know, sh- this woman, MJ Pingman, the woman who authored the book and the owner of the website is, is a D water specialist, you know, the water woman, definitely in the United States, maybe in the world, you know, top, you know, top 10 people know knows about water and um, living water, especially she calls it the water that she enjoys most for hydration. And also what is prevalent in nature is called full spectrum living water and full spectrum living water is, is from the sound and has a full spectrum of minerals and nutrients, and it is living. It is a living thing. It's not what, you know, no water is dead, but there's some water that is depleted and abused and all that, especially water that has been sitting in city pipes and has been contaminated by all kinds of, you know, pesticides and, you know, pharmaceuticals have been, you know, re, re what, do, what do you call this? Uh, re, like recycled. Recycled in the water. And or no, yeah, uh, I know, mean, fluorinated fluoridated. I mean, there's a bunch of stuff in the water, especially in city water. But, anyways, she talks about one of her favorite salts. So I've been using real salt to, from the Redmond Company, and I've been using Celtic salt. Those have been quite um, the popular. real salt is
1: is the white, it's like white and blue bag with red writing. Uh, sorry, you're, you're
0: you're cutting, say it again.
1: Oh, it's white, it's a white and blue bag with red writing, right? The real salt, yes. Yes, yeah, yeah. that's a real Are salt, it's, great,
0: it's it's a great salt. I mean, it's it's unrefined. Uh, it's they they claim it's better than you know Himalayan and a bunch of other natural salt that gets mined. I forget exactly what the process is. It's it's a great salt. It's very fairly priced. But then she said she says in her book that her favorite salt is bamboo salt, and um, I have the webpage that I sent you in front of me. And apparently bamboo salt, it's written here, is a therapeutic salt uniquely made in Korea. It transforms sea salt into a highly bioavailable, mineral-rich condiment with unusual healing and detoxification properties. And the one that I just got from Amazon, which is from a legit company called, uh, I think it's called, let me see... It is called, man, what is the name of this company? Let me see. Oh, I cannot find the name right now. Insan, I-N-S-A-N. Anyways, it's called the 9X. They have this process uh, that they heat up and, and roast the salt, I guess, nine times in some of them in super high temperatures. And it makes it super bioavailable to the, to the body. I don't even really know how this works. I got it for the first time. Here, it says that the, uh, the bamboo is sealed with a local mineral-rich yellow clay. Salt-filled bamboo stalks are then roasted at 1,600 Celsius. Well, that it probably equals to like 3,000 uh, Fahrenheit or more. Using pinewood from the region, uh, the above process repeated up to 9 times and can take 3 years to complete take up to 3 years to complete this is some serious process being put into creating salt from bamboo which is very interesting and apparently they found some a lot of uh, you know benefits healing detoxification healing benefits from from this salt so i'm going to give it a try she recommends this salt for structuring water and i've been using i've been using these trace minerals from Water and Wellness, or I uh, have another one which is called Ocean Blue. But I figure I'll give this a try and mix it up.
1: Yeah, I, I've been doing that too. I think it's good to have a few different mineral sources. So I'll use sometimes I'll use the uh, Celtic salt or Celtic salt, whatever the blue ba- the blue bag. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'll use the real salt. Sometimes I'll use Kintan. Sometimes mm-hmm. I go all out and use Element. I usually do that after like a training session or the sauna or something like that. Cause it just feels kind of good to ch- You almost feel like you're drinking a Gatorade or something that has like that, that flavor, you know, it's a little mm-hmm. bit of nostalgia. Um, but I think having a few different options is really good. How, uh, you ordered that salt on Amazon or did you order it directly from dancing with water?
0: I ordered from Amazon. They have the instant bread legit legitimately in there. Uh, just so you know, you uh, your sound is coming kind of muffled and I think it's the internet bandwidth. So actually a trick for listeners too, what you can do is open a new tab in your computer and just go to a website that is not heavy duty and start requesting more bandwidth from your uh, provider by doing that. So go ahead and open perhaps a few tabs. Go into, go into heartandsoil.co, go into supplements.com. Uh, open a few tabs, <laughs> and perhaps that's gonna revive and uh, reinvigorate your bandwidth connection, which will hopefully help with uh, the sound quality. And uh, your, yeah, your video is, is frozen in my end too. Hopefully,
1: I with the way ZenCaster
0: ZenCaster Zencast- works, hopefully it's gonna be good enough. So perhaps just browse a few pages quickly to see if it does anything. We're we're about to wrap up, anyways, uh, in a few minutes. But yeah, um, I also wanted to talk about minerals and add that, uh, what's it called? We both have shilajit, which is also another great source of minerals. And then, of course, make the caveat that too many minerals are not good for the body. There is such a thing, as we talked about in the beginning of this podcast, balance is key. So too many minerals are not good. What I do is actually I don't drink mineralized water or highly mineralized water all day, I kind of drink about 50% of my water is, is mineralized with a bunch of minerals. Um, and I dilute it with the filtered water that I have using the Atla filter. I think it's Atla, ATLAwater.com. I just put my, my hand on my computer for a second. And yes, yeah, it's, it's ATLAwater.com. That's the one that I have, uh, no affiliation. Yes. So is
1: that, is that the same as aqua true water? The The same what is who? Is it the same as aqua true? Is it just like basically dead water?
0: No, it's, it's actually quite a different method. And I, I have an article about this on my website and, um, the difference, the main differences are, is that aqua true does reverse osmosis, reverse osmosis takes everything out of the water, right? The, the, what we call the good and the bad, okay, the minerals that are naturally in water, uh, such as magnesium and calcium, and also the the toxic stuff from the water. Kind of getting it to zero particles, you know, per million. The part the particles are, are being measured per million, but zero particles in the water. And then AquaTrue and Water Wellness recommend remineralizing the water with their minerals, or they can you can do it directly. you think you might have this system with the under sink alkaline water, they add re add minerals to that. What the Atlas system does. And then, and then also water wellness cells uh, vortexer that is separate. So you would take the alkaline water and then vortex the water in a, in a vortexer. The Atla water has three filters that filter based on what they're saying, only the best stuff out, out of the water, although they leave the good minerals intact. So there's, you know, there's a good amount of magnesium already in the water. It does not go reverse osmosis and it has a revitalizer that is it's quite big so it 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 keeps the water moving you know and right before you drink it, it you know and it open the sink it goes under the sink and connects to you know I have a separate sink for it you get another switch of movement before you drink the water based on what i've learned from what um, dancing with the water it's good after the movement to give the water some time to rest and structure in stillness in darkness which is what i do and you can find this article on my website in about 10 days when I launch my website. It's going to be how to create full-spectrum water. I think that's what I call it. How to create your own full-spectrum water. Yeah. That's coming up. Anyways, your your connection seems to be better. I actually saw you moving for a quick second. Oh, yeah, I'm moving. I don't know what's now, going on over here with this. It's kind of back to being low connection. So, any closing thoughts? I think we covered it. Fantastic. You
1: got anything? I don't. Let's wrap it up. Hop Let's on next week. Up. Hop on next week. Don't wear any sunscreen. And uh, that's all I got.
0: All right. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers. This will probably release this show before Father's Day. I'm going to make an effort since I'm taking care of the tech side of things. Happy Father's Day to anybody who listens to it on time. Before Father's Day, right after. We love you all. We love you mothers as well. We love all of you people.
1: Much love. See you next time. Peace.